Welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On. I'm your host. My name is Rebecca. I'm a homeschool mom of five young children between the ages of four and 11. I was homeschooled myself all the way up till about halfway through grade 10, at which point I went to a public high school and graduated there, which is a story for another time. Today's episode is all about when our kids are falling behind. And if you follow my podcast episodes, you will have seen this topic come up before. And I am specifically doing it again because of popular requests. And because this is such a hot topic and something that can be so discouraging to mom. So we're going to talk about this again. I want to give you some more encouragement, some more tips, and some more of my heart on the topic of our kids maybe not being at the level that society tells us they should be. So grab yourself some coffee or tea and let's get into it. So with my five young children, I have at least three of them. Three? Uh, maybe two, two of them that are significantly behind what they would be if they were put with their peers in a public school setting. I have my oldest son who is on par with most things. I would say probably everything. Um, my kindergartner slash, sorry, she's grade one this year. My grade one daughter is ahead. And then my kindergartner is a little bit behind, but I'm not sure if that's really behind. She doesn't even turn five until the end of November. She just kind of barely made the cutoff. So she's not quite ready for kindergarten, but we're doing it anyways because she's keen, but she's not quite there. But my main two that are significantly behind and it's evident is my middle two children. I think some of it is a combination of personality, some of it is a combination of learning styles, some of it is a combination of learning challenges that they each face, and for my one son, I really do believe that it is primarily his development. So there's so many different things that can contribute to a child being behind. And that's the first thing I want you to think about. I want you to let go of all of the weight that you're carrying that, oh my goodness, my child is behind. I'm failing. I suck at this. You know, people are starting to see it. They're starting to notice the shame, the guilt, let go of all of that, put it aside. And I want you to think of this from a very fresh perspective. So first of all, why is your child behind? There's some reasons. There are always reasons. And usually there's some on us, okay? And and because we feel that some on us, we take that and we blow it out of proportion. Sure, maybe you haven't been as consistent. Sure, maybe you have five kids like me and some kids have fallen in the gap because you have to help this one and this one and this one and you don't have the time needed to really invest in that child who's struggling. And so maybe there's a portion that, that relates to something in your homeschool day that you could change that 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 child needs more but but even that aside there's usually a reason either developmentally or there is a reason with some learning challenges when your child is significantly behind now I'm not talking about just a little bit there's some gaps there so I'm talking years behind a year two years you know your child is eight they're not really reading they're not interested in it they're not they're not picking it up they're still sounding out your child is nine they're still sounding out your child is, 10, like my daughter, and is not in in math, just just has so many gaps and is way behind and really, really struggling. She writes phonetically. Her writing is atrocious. It's those kinds of things, okay? So I'm talking significant gaps, significant behind where when your child goes to Sunday school or something and they're asked to read, everybody knows it and they start to identify it because now they're seeing oh my goodness, I'm behind. They're feeling like I'm not smart. 
And it is important once our child gets to that point, and that usually happens when they're a little bit older, but it can be younger depending on the circumstances that they're in. There hits a point where your child's going to start to identify it for themselves. And they, the response for a child is I'm stupid. That's their response. They're not able to break down why, where is this coming from? What is the, is there a challenge? They're thinking something's wrong with me because everybody else can learn and, and it's hard for me. So there's got to be something wrong with my brain and clearly I'm not smart. And, and that is when, okay, red flags, you know, the red flags are dinging. The red flags are dinging for you anyways and probably always have been. But now that they're in a setting where they're feeling that and other people are feeling that and putting that on them, now there's some red flags of, I don't want my child growing up with this on their shoulders. I don't want my child growing up with this block that doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be there. Even if your child has a block, let's say they have a block where they have a learning challenge. My daughter has some sort of learning challenge. I don't know what it is. I haven't had her tested, but there is definitely a block that I'm continually, continually pushing up against. So there is already something that we're dealing with there. I don't want to give her anything else. I don't want to give her another block there that is, I'm not smart. So she's not even going to try or she's not even going to give her effort because she just thinks she can't do it. Uh, no, thank you. I'm dealing with enough blocks as it is. I don't need my daughter having some sort of a mental or emotional breakdown point because she thinks she's unable to. So now there's a red flag in my mind of I've got to do something because I don't want my child growing up with this. And for those of you that have been emailing me with, uh, you know, panic of my child's behind, I, I feel like such a failure and I want to hear more on this subject. You're probably at that point. You're probably at that point where it's not just you feeling like they're behind. Now you're feeling the judgment of other people and you're feeling that your child is feeling it. And now it's compounding and you feel panicked. Okay, so first of all, this is a natural place to be. You've come up to a place of, of this has to be dealt with. And when I say dealt with, I don't mean fixed because you cannot fix your child's developmental readiness for learning. You cannot fix their blocks. You can work at it, but it is not a overnight fix. This isn't something that if you just, just put all your other kids in school and just give all your attention to them, that in a week it's going to be gone. Okay, this is something that, that comes from somewhere. So you have to identify where is this coming from? Is there a developmental delay? For my son, he is going to be nine at the end of October. So he's in grade four technically. And when it comes to reading, he's reading at about a grade two-ish level. Okay, even one sometimes. He's, he's doing school with his grade one sister who's a little ahead. And so they match each other very, very well. For most things, that's where he's at. That's definitely where he's at with his writing. It's definitely where he's at with his reading. Math, he has the ability to be farther ahead. Um, so he's not so far behind. But for him, it is developmental. There's nothing I need to do. I don't see anything in him that is a, a challenge that I think is a learning challenge that, that I need to identify, that I need to help him with or coach him through. He was premature. He's a tiny little kid. Most people think he's six. He's this tiny little kid. He's a little bit immature. He's high energy. He, he would totally be labeled ADD in school. And yet he's not. He's a normal high energy boy who's not super interested in school unless it's science or something that, you know, interests him or fascinates him. But for the most part, school's not super interesting. So he's not necessarily always giving his all. And reading and writing is difficult because it takes a lot of 
attention and focus. And so that's where he's at. So when I look at my son, I can see, okay, yeah, you're significantly behind. However, this is developmental. I don't need to to hammer this into you. This is going to come with time. And the biggest thing that I need to do for you is create a safe place for you to grow and develop at your own rate and protect you from other people who might be judging you or making you feel stupid because you don't need that block. So that is my primary focus with my son is to take off the pressure of the reading and the writing, trusting that that's going to happen. You guys have to trust that your kids are smart. You have to trust. I, I feel like someone out there is needs to hear this right now. Your child's behind and you have labeled them as they, they can't. They don't have the ability. They aren't able to, in essence... They're not smart. Now, I know you probably haven't said that, but but somewhere deep down inside of you, I feel like that's a, like a, a, a lie that you have aligned with. And I know I'm saying this because I know that I have with my daughter, okay? So I'm saying this from personal experience. I'm not saying this over you and onto you. I'm saying this as somebody who has been there, okay? I have believed the lie that, that my daughter is unable, that she is not smart enough, and that yes, it's on me. I take so much on me and I feel like such a failure, but I also believe that she's unable. And so then that is that is passed on to her all the time because she feels like she's unable because I feel like she's unable. Do you start to see the cycle, the pattern? Okay, so that's a different scenario though than my son. My son is able. I trust that my son is smart. I see it. And this is why I see it in conversations. I see it when I see him playing. I see an intelligence in my son in so many different ways. As soon as it's not workbook related, wow, that kid is smart. He is so intelligent. So I can trust that the reading and the writing application part of learning is going to come. But I'm not concerned at all about his intelligence. I'm not concerned at all about his process of learning and understanding his ability to retain anything. So when it comes to children like that that are behind, my goodness, you guys, trust them. Trust the process. Protect them from other people. If they're going places where other people are judging them, then either... You're going to need to sit down and have really good conversations with them when they come home of, okay, let's talk about this. How did it feel when you were trying to read at this setting? And did you feel like other people were kind of, you know, or did, did you feel like other people? And let them talk. Don't coach them into it. I'm just, I'm trying to show you an example of what the conversation, but let them talk. Okay. So when they're saying I was trying to read and it was frustrating, they'd be like, well, how did that make you feel? And why do you think that is? And let them kind of process it. And then at the end of all of that, the message needs to be, you are smart. You are able This is just going to come for you a little bit later. And so sometimes it's important and we don't always want to protect our kids. They are going to face this stuff eventually. Instead, we want to teach them that when they face that, let's counteract that with truth. You just experienced a lie and you can choose whether to believe that lie or not. But let's speak about God's truth over you, God's truth over you. And you start to speak life back into your kids and you start to speak encouragement back into them and you teach them how to cope with that feeling of I'm not smart. You teach them how to cope with that lie. 
Okay. So that's one approach. The other approach is to protect your kids, pull them back. Sometimes you just need to pull them back. Sometimes they're so discouraged and you're so discouraged that the solution is literally to just not put them in those kind of situations for a little bit. Give them a little bit of time to start to build some of their self-confidence because if their self-confidence is constantly being attacked, they're never going to have the opportunity to build that up. And it's just going to create this negative cycle in their lives. So you're going to have to identify that. I can't identify that for you. If you are a Christian family, pray about this, you guys. Pray about it and ask God, what can I do for my child? What is the best for them? Do I need to remove them from certain situations? Even doing school with other kids in your own family. Do I need to teach them separately because they're feeling stupid when they do school with this child? What can I do for my child to help them grow their confidence? Find those things that do inspire them. Find those things that they are good at and, and throw them into it because they're naturally going to learn reading and writing when they're doing my daughter. She's doing violin. She's learning reading and writing when she's doing her theory. She's growing her brain. There's so many things that are happening when she does that. That, that doesn't feel like book work and school work, but is helping the problem and is building her self-confidence because she's good at it. So find those things, find those things for your kids that they're good at, that can grow their self-confidence and trust yourself, trust your child, trust the learning process, trust that, that we live in a society and a culture where reading and writing are all around us. Only in third world countries where people are have no reading or writing required of them in any, any, any form does it happen where people are illiterate. It's not going to happen here where your child has to read a sign in order to drive and know where they're going to turn. Eventually, your child is going to learn how to read. Okay, I, I know this, that's not a, that's not a editing problem. I just paused there because seriously, you guys, this is real. Trust the process. Trust your child and trust yourself. Take the pressure off. Now that is for situations where I'll call that our Malachi situations. Okay. Developmentally, he's not there. Now I want to talk about our Selah situations. My daughter who it's not just developmental. There is a problem. There's a block. There's something there where she's not understanding. There's something there where she's not retaining. Now, a part of it, probably for almost all children, is interest. Because even if it's really, really, really hard for them, if they're interested in it, if they want to do it, they will do it. They will. So, so, so key is finding what our children's interests are and really using that as the counterpoint, using that to springboard their education, especially for children like this, okay? But for my daughter, I have to now find some things that are actually going to start to work on the problem. I have to. Do I have time to work one-on-one -on -one with all of my kids? No. Do I have to make it a priority when it comes to especially these two middle children? Yeah, I do. I have to do math with each of them independently. It takes me more time to do stuff with them than it does their younger and older students combined. But I need to make it a priority because there's a problem. There's a problem that we're facing with reading. I need to make it a priority. We're going to sit around at night. You guys, with reading, rather than making it a subject, this is something I found that's really, really effective. Sit down with your struggling readers at night. 
turn off the TV an hour before bedtime, it's reading hour, and you all read. Now, I've tried to read myself. It doesn't work because my kids need help. So here's what I do instead. I take turns with them on the couch, and one by one, they come and sit by me, and we read. And my older kids that are struggling, we choose a chapter book because part of it, they're not interested in the little stuff. Sure, it's at their level, but it's boring. It's made for little kids. So I get them a chapter book that's kind of around their level, and then we read one page, one page, and it's challenging, and I have to help them step by step by step by step by step on one chapter, you read a page, I read a page. It takes some of the weight off them. They start to enjoy it. They start to look forward to it. They're cuddling on the couch. It doesn't feel like school. It doesn't feel like an assignment. It feels like something time with you one-on-one. And so I started implementing that and that has proven very, very, very effective. So sometimes it's about taking it from a different angle, but I have to make that a priority. I have to, because I can't expect, I have tried everything. I go and I buy all sorts of different curriculum. You guys see all the reviews I do. I go and I try all sorts of different online things because I think I don't have time. I'm also writing books. I'm trying to manage this business and podcasting and YouTube videos and blog posts and and responding to things and cleaning my house and cooking meals. I don't have a spare second in my life to sit down and do reading and comprehension with my daughter and my son, or to do math with my daughter and my son, who both need individual math one-on-one. I've tried combining them, it's not a good idea. So I don't have time for this. So my solution is find a solution. So I search and I dig and I look for something that they can do, an app, something that will help them and they can read and it will help them. But the reality is they need me. It's just the reality. They need me. They need me to sit down with them and correct them every time they make a mistake because otherwise the problem happens, which is what's happening, where they make the mistake continually, 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 and they start to get really lazy in their reading or really lazy in their writing. And so I correct them. I stop them. Oh, no, not like that. Oh, let's try it like this. Oh, that's actually this word. And they start to be a little bit more diligent. Anyways, I don't want to give you too many examples. I want to talk to you specifically, but I'm trying to show you this overall picture of Yeah, I don't have time, but I have to make the time because there is a problem. And so if you have a Selah, if you have a child that is behind and there is a reason and you can't figure it out, you got to take the time with them. You've got to try some unique things. You got to approach things differently. You have to sit down and start to work on them more. Go backwards. Do not be afraid to go backwards. My goodness, you guys, when we try to continually push our kids forward and they're crying, you're accomplishing nothing nothing. As soon as they're crying, you're done. They're not learning or retaining anything. Sure. You might finish that lesson, but they won't remember it tomorrow because they were wrecks. You've got to stop. If they're at that point, it's too much. Now it might just be too much that day because they're tired or they're sick or they're overwhelmed or they needed a break or it might be too much overall. And you might need to say, okay, we're going to go back a grade because it's gonna help, it's gonna be a bit easier, you're gonna enjoy it a bit more, you need the reinforcement anyways, clearly, and it's gonna help you build your confidence. I love going back, I love going back. The great thing is your older kids, can also help teach your younger kids and they feel like they're more in teacher mode and they're helping, but they're actually reinforcing. There's beautiful things that you can do to help solve these problems, but but you need to find ways of building that confidence at the same time as working with them at, at a, a really step-by-step process with you 
with them as much as possible or an older student with them or um, your husband or your, you know, get dad to work with them, whatever it may look like. Don't be afraid to work at night. If you don't have the time during the day, you're going to have to get creative. I don't know necessarily what the solution is for your family. I'm still looking for the solution for my own family. And I am constantly readjusting and constantly reevaluating. But what I want out of this episode today is more or less to give you these examples to show you every child is unique. I have five children. All of them are so, so different. I've got one at their level, one ahead of their level, two behind their level, one who's just developmentally not quite there. And I'm working with them at their own levels. School systems, K to 12, take a national average and draw a line in the middle. And there are kids way above and kids way below. And they just draw a line in the middle and say, this is normal. That's not normal. So every time you face opposition, every time you go in a situation where you feel judged, first of all, identify that part of it is probably not people judging you. It's probably the enemy coming in and using an opportunity where you feel like my child's behind and therefore people are judging me. Probably likely people aren't. Okay. Now some situations they do, people are nasty. So I'm sure in some situations you've had people judge you or say things or, you know, but the enemy will use whatever he can use, whether that's your own insecurities or whether that's other people, he's using something against you to say, you're failing. You can't do this. Your child's behind us because of you. It's your fault. You're not being diligent. You're not consistent enough. Okay. So own what you can own and say, yeah, I'm not consistent enough. True that. (laughs) I'm working on it. And there is no condemnation in Christ. And rebuke that, you guys. Rebuke that lie. That lie, that that guilt, that shame, that it's all on you. It's not all on you. I'm sure there's a part that's on you. Identify that. Take it. Move on. Learn from it. Like we talked about in our last podcast episode. Learning from our mistakes. But, you guys, it's not all on you. It never is all on you. It's a lot on your child who maybe is not interested or lazy or bored or whatever. It's a lot on their development. It's a lot on on the challenges that they're facing. There's so many other things that play into this. You cannot take it all on your shoulders. And if you do, now you're passing that all onto your child's shoulders because your pressure, your stress, your anxiety is passed on when you're doing your lessons. You cannot effectively teach a child and have them feel confident in themselves until you, until you let go of whatever you're carrying and your own insecurities. You have to be confident in your child. You have to be confident in yourself. So when you're teaching that child, they are not sensing and picking up on your insecurities that, that maybe even aren't on them. Maybe it's on you and yet they're feeling it's insecure about their ability to do it. So my encouragement to you is, Oh, so many things, so many things. I feel like I don't even know where to start, but my encouragement to you is, is identify where the problem is coming from and what you can do to fix it. Start there. Okay. Start making some steps. What can you do so that when that lie comes up, when you feel like I'm sucking at this or, or I'm not good enough or people are judging me, you can say, I'm trying, I am doing something and it's going to work. It's going to be effective. And if it's not, I'm going to find something else that is. I am going to, I am, I'm committed to seeing my child flourish, whatever that looks like. And don't take the pressure of some arbitrary line that means absolutely nothing and put that on your child because every child learns differently and every child is at their own pace. So teach your child. Don't teach a national average that is, you know, a ghost, okay? Don't teach ghost children. Teach your own child. Really, and switch that perspective in your mind. And maybe because that can't change overnight, maybe you need to every day wake up before your kids and say, today, 
my child's smart. Today, I'm a capable teacher. Today, I'm gonna teach my child and I'm gonna find something that works and I'm committed to working with them. Today, I'm gonna take my expectations and shift them. I'm gonna take my, my, my priorities and shift them. My house is not my priority today, my kids are. This child is my priority today over this and this and this and this. Shift your priorities, priorities, sorry, and focus on your kids, on what you can do and don't take the weight of what you can't do. You can't change them. They have to decide to do it, but it's going to be really hard for them to decide to do it if they are feeling like they're failures, if they are feeling like you don't believe in them, if they are feeling like, you know, just the stress and this panic and this, that's not fun. I don't want to learn in that situation. I want to learn with a mom that's like, wow, that was so, so good. Okay. Let's go and look over here. Do you think that you can figure out this? I don't, I don't know if I can figure it out. Like this is really challenging. When I sit down with someone like that, when I think of teaching with someone like that, when I think of learning with someone like that, I think fun. When I think of learning with a mom, it's like, come on. No. Okay. No, we're going to sit down. We have to do this. You are so behind. Ah, yeah, I'm not very inspired. So, okay, it's on our kids. They have to want to do it. You can't force your child to actually learn and retain anything. You can't force them to make progress. They have to choose. But what are you doing to create an environment and an atmosphere and a, and a, and a situation where you're believing in them and you're trusting in them and you're pushing them and you're inspiring them to want to? That is your challenge. That is your goal. And everything else that people try to put on you, everything else the enemy brings your way, everything else that you think about or you stress about, that's not on you. All that's on you is what can you do to inspire your child and then trust and pray that they are going to take that little seed. They're going to take that little spark and turn it into a flame. All right, I better stop talking because I could talk forever, but then I start to repeat myself. So I'm going to let you guys get on to your homeschool days. I hope that if you have a child that's behind, that you are encouraged. I hope that you find people who have children that are behind as well so that you guys can talk and share and encourage one another, but don't sit there in a spiral of negative self-talk. Don't sit there and spiral about all the problems your child has because FYI, they're probably listening around the corner when you get together and have coffee. So don't do that. Instead, talk positive. Think positive positive and slowly your own perception of your child's going to change and your child's perception of themselves is going to change too. You guys, homeschooling is a journey. It is fun. It can be fun and it is the greatest gift that you can give your child and they are the greatest gift that can be given to you. This time and investing in them and this commitment with them, this will have fruit. I was homeschooled myself. I promise you this has fruit. I promise you, you will not look back and regret. You are are going to make mistakes. You are going to fail. Own, accept, move on, learn from those, grow from those, but see the bigger picture. And I hope that you have an amazing homeschool week this week. And I will see you here again next week, right here on Keep Calm and Homeschool On.